So, my wife is the Halloween Grinch. The Halloween Grinch. The Halloween Grinch. My wife does not like Halloween. If you're a Halloween Grinch, though, does that make you like some sort of nice fairy type individual, right? Is it like reversal? Would like uh, a Halloween Grinch be expected, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, like it seems like the polar opposite effect would be in place, except, of course, that everyone loves Halloween. And so anyone who hates it is a bad person oh wow (laughs) we'll see what happens when she uh watches she listens to this episode and i get in big trouble i love emily i don't want to say that no but that is interesting she doesn't like creepy things like the gruesomeness and things like that she thinks is kind of nauseating and discomforting in a way that she just thinks why are we celebrating something that seems so evil Mm, she does not like how it fills her children with candy Mm-hmm. And how my children who love Halloween get really excited about it way early and are every year break into the <laughs> Halloween decorations well before they should and have her house covered in tombstones and bloody fake prints on the windows mm-hmm. and that stretchy spider web spider stuff. webs yeah. just everywhere. And she hates that. She hates the production of having to get everyone's costumes ready because all the kids want to have, of course, a costume, but they don't want to do any work to have a costume. Yeah. She just dislikes Halloween in basically every way imaginable. That is very interesting to me. First of all, big ups to her for still having the Halloween decorations in the house and accessible, even though she hates them. Like, Mm -hmm. good mom vibes there. But it's interesting because... She hates all aspects of Halloween. Yeah, I haven't found an aspect of Halloween that she likes. There are parts of Halloween that I dislike. Mm-hmm. I love Halloween, except I don't like being a dad for Halloween. <laughs> I uh, why? hate taking the kids trick-or-treating. That is onerous and terrible to me. Okay. I don't like having to coordinate the giant family-themed costumes that the kids always want to do, where Uh, we have to figure out, like, which eight Star Wars characters are we going to be able to dress up as this year? So they theme. Your kids all want to do. My kids theme. Okay. We talk them out of it most of the time. This year, my wife and I and our six-year-old are theming, and everyone else is just on their own. My kids do the opposite of theming. They get mad if another one's costume is too similar to what they came up with. <laughs> That's fascinating. So, like, they can't even have, like, two Marvel superheroes. They get mad about that. They sometimes are okay, but usually they'll get mad. That's crazy. Yeah. Because if you're both superheroes, then you can, like, play together. That makes sense to me. But mm. whatever. So you hate the dadding part. I don't like the dadding part. What I want to do on Halloween is I want to watch scary movies and I want to, like, hand out candy and scare the kids that come to my house, which I could do when I was single or when I, you know, just had babies. But now, you know, the last 19, 18 years, I had to go trick-or-treating every time and walk around and they always get tired and ornery. And it's just, uh, trick-or-treating is not fun for me. Here's a couple things that surprised me at this. My children, when they're young enough to need an adult with them trick-or-treating, have gotten tired of it quickly enough that it's like a half hour Mm. or 45 minutes and then home, right? And by the time they want to go more than that, they're 10 or 11, I'm like, off you go. We'll see you (laughs) when you get tired of it. Don't take more than one piece if people leave out a bowl. Be nice to the other kids. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the realm I'm in right now where even my eight-year-old's like, bye-bye, have fun. 
go with some friends. Man, wouldn't that be the tops? I don't know. Maybe I've just raised kids that like spending time with each other. Oh, they theme their wow. costumes, and they all want to go trick-or-treating together. Except, you know, once they hit teenage years, right. then they don't have time for any of us. But, like, my six-year-old, first of all, we have to talk about... The six-year-old loves Halloween. Mm-hmm. She loves Halloween more than, like, I used to when I was her age, which I didn't think was possible. She started planning Halloween decorations and costumes the day after Christmas last year. And that is, that is her devotion. entire life. You know, every couple of weeks, she'll come to me with a new thing she sketched out about where she wants to put all the tombstones in the yard and things like that, which is delightful because we didn't even actually own any tombstones until this year. But, yeah, they became a thing a year or two ago, maybe a little longer mm-hmm. ago, where you could buy the the kind of fake concrete-ish kind of ones. They have weight to ones. them. Yeah, yeah, and then you like scratch a name on them or paint a name. We've got a bunch of them that are all their friends' tombstones. Oh, that's awesome. So mine that loves Halloween is my 11-year-old, which if anyone's watched my YouTube channel, he's the one that loves to come on and do meme reviews, and it's Dallin. Okay. And he just clicks with spooky stuff in a way that my wife does not, in the opposite way. He's the one that, like, you can show any horror movie to at Mm -hmm. 11, right? Yeah. He's the one that I play Doom, the new Doom with, right? And any movie, he doesn't get scared. He says, oh, how'd they do that, Dad? He finds it really fascinating, where my older son, Joel, does not like scary stuff does not want to be anywhere near it. And, you know, he's two years older than Dallin. But Dallin, we have this problem with every year where he has this problem that what he wants to do all Halloween night is lay on the porch face down Mm -hmm. in ragged clothing covered in blood. Yeah. So that when people come up, he can go (gasps) and rise from the dead. (laughs) See, that's awesome. That's Mm -hmm. what I want to do on Halloween. And I have to go trick-or-treating instead. Why is it a problem that Dallin wants to do that? Because that sounds awesome. he also wants candy, right? <laughs> and so he every year has this like big war within himself. Do I go trick-or-treating mm-hmm. or do I lay on the porch on the one night I can be covered in blood and be a zombie and everyone will think it's cool? And by the way, they don't. He legitimately scares all the little kids. He trails after them after they leave, like all the way down the driveway to the next house over. He's shuffling after them and things like that. Like he really oh, leans into it. That is wonderful. And I love it. He has the Danwell seal of approval. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. See, that's the thing that gets me about Halloween that I would love to do is, you know, set up the stuff. And my dad was the same way scare people in the yard set out some kind of, you know, speakers and microphones and uh, do that kind of thing. My dad Vincent and I- Vincent Price into the microphone yeah, as they walk up. Talk to people. Mm-hmm. My dad and I used to work, when I was a teenager, we used to work in a local haunted house. Mm. And just, we love that kind of stuff. So with Dallin, can you just like buy him a big variety pack of Milky Ways or whatever and say, okay, scare kids, and then here's your candy at the end. Of That's the what we've done about half the years. He's just agreed to take payment mm-hmm. for being our Halloween decoration. <laughs> but the other weird thing is he always comes up with some cool costume he wants to have. And then is like, but then if I'm that, 
opportunity cost, I can't be a bloody zombie on the doorstep. So he always ends up with two costumes. One he wears to school to show mm-hmm. off a new costume. And then by Halloween night, he's like, I just need to be a zombie tonight. We just always have the stuff in reserve because yeah, we know. Because you know he's going to want. He's going to change. Man. All the more reason for Emily to not love this holiday. Yes. That's delightful. And he wants the really expensive like wounds and things like that that look good. Like we bought him the cheap ones once and he's just like, I do not look like I'm dead. Dad. I I am not bleeding. And he wants like the blood that is wet mm-hmm. that he can like the kind you of know. wet look blood. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he always rips up a new set of clothing and covers it in like dirt and blood. He'll go roll in the dirt and then rip it up and he'll put on one shoe, even though it's really cold. Yeah. Because zombies only have one shoe. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of delightful and also just an interesting sign of who my son is. He's totally going to work in a spook alley. We've known it. We've known it since he was oh, like man. five. Mm-hmm. And producer Adam was talking about the zombie hunts they were having back then. Adam's nodding. He remembers this where you could like shoot paintball at zombies. And yeah. Dallin was mm-hmm. super excited. And he's only five or six. We're like, what? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so they got ready to take him. And then he found out that he didn't get to be the zombie that shot at. He found out that he has to be the person shooting, and he was just not interested. And it just loses yeah. all its allure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I love that. And, you know, my sister is one of these as well, who Halloween is their Christmas, mm-hmm. and it's the biggest part of the year. And August, you start getting excited for it, and all through September, you're just pumping up. And then October 1st, the house turns black and orange and is covered with stuff. And like the way you describe Dallin as this is the one night of the year I can be myself and not get weird looks for it. Mm-hmm. That's that's the Halloween crew. That's going to be my six-year-old. That's my sister. That used to be me before I had to be the boring dad that goes trick-or-treating. <laughs> so you say you want to be back watching movies and scaring kids. I've found these two things to be mutually exclusive. How do people watch Halloween movies? Because I've never been able to do it because I'm usually on door duty. Mm -hmm. This is in part because a significant portion of the people who end up at our doorstep are wearing costumes themed to my books (laughs) to the point that we've realized this is a socially acceptable time that people who know where I live can show up on my doorstep and and maybe meet me. Say hi to you. And we've learned that I need to be giving out the candy because otherwise every few minutes it's like, dad, someone's in a, in a Kaladin costume and they want to show it to you and things like this. <laughs> and so- Man, well, depending on when this airs, this year or next year, you're going to get a flood of those, aren't you? Mm, everyone knows, everyone like in the state and, and around, people just know where my house is. I think I've told this story to you before, have I? One year, Dallin was doing the zombie thing and mm-hmm. someone came up early and he found out they were fans because they were in costumes. And so he's like, we need to give them a book, dad, as their treat. Mm. And he, he went and got like a big box of the Rhythmatist, which is my middle grade. Yeah. Or young YA. I guess it's young YA. But And he was like, we need to give these out. And then I'm like, all right, to people who have a special costume. Which he decided since it's Halloween, everyone's costume is special. And he just <laughs> went through like an entire case of books. And I had to say, after that, we're not giving away books anymore. But the year after that, we got swarmed with people. Because they're like, Sanderson gives out books. We should go trick-or-treat his house. Wow, that's crazy. I will say, just as a total side note, that I know the Reckoners books are your big YA. Rhythmatist is my favorite of your YA. 
Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I, I, I love that one. That book, though, I love it, is The Millstone Around My Neck. Really? I wrote it right before The Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. I was actually working on a Cosmere novel called The Liar of Partnell, which was not working. I finished the book, but I did not like how it turned out. Mm-hmm. And so often when that happens to me, I just need some breather in between, something yeah. completely unexpected. And so I wrote The Rhythmatist, doing all the art myself in the original edition, though we, of course, had that redrawn. And just was one of these things where I'm like, I'm just going to do something wacky, completely unexpected. I'm going to do this weird gear punk alternate history, bizarre thing. And I really got into it. I'm like, wow, I think I'll do a trilogy of these. This is really cool. I Mm -hmm. like this world. And then right when that was happening, the wheel of time fell on me like, you know, the proverbial ton of bricks. Mm -hmm. And though I'm not complaining, it did derail my career ginormously. Yeah. Can a career be derailed ginormously by Can a it be wide derailed margin? Derailed non ginormously. Non ginormously. I don't know if that uh, applied, but regardless, yeah. I went down a very different track in life, and I shelved the arithmetist. And the publisher I gave it to him said, "I just can't support this series." Mm-hmm. But sitting on, as we came to learn, a Sanderson book that they can't publish is like painful to the publisher because you know. They do well for their margins in yeah. certain quarters and things. So finally, they're like, can we just publish this book? And I had forgotten how much a cliffhanger the ending is. I have forgotten as well. I yeah. don't actually remember how it ends. So it's one of those, actually, on theme horror movie endings where yeah. it's like you think everything's wrapped up and then the epilogue says, oh, no, you didn't understand it all. There is a deeper, darker mystery and someone that you thought you defeated is actually a deeper, mm-hmm. darker evil, right? Yeah. Like yeah. It's like, oh, no, everything we've been doing is now recontextualized to be darker and mm-hmm. more worrisome. And they released the book. It was very well beloved, but it promises a sequel, which it has now been. I wrote that book in 2007. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long, long time (laughs) since I wrote that book. And I'm like, I owe people a sequel to that. It's the number one most requested sequel I get. Mm -hmm. But Well, and it is my favorite of your YA. And so, you know, dear listeners out there, if you hadn't read The Arithmetist and you want to read a book with a cliffhanger that might never get resolved... Go check it out. One of the great things about it is that it is a magic boarding school book. Yes. Where it actually feels like a school and they learn things. Harry Potter, as much as I love Harry Potter, is basically genetic access to guns. Yes. And <laughs> Rhythmatist is you actually learn the principles of the magic and how it works. And it feels much more grounded and real in a very cool, fantastical way. Well, the original pitch to myself was the muggle at Hogwarts, right? It's the Mm -hmm. kid who goes to the magic school, but he's the son of the cleaning lady and gets free tuition, right? And he did not win the genetic lottery. He he can't actually do the magic, which is, you know, in this world, it's not uncommon that someone without the magic goes to the magic school. All like those schools are the prestigious ones. So like the sons of senators and things will often go to the school, Mm -hmm. even though they don't have the magic. They just won't take the magic classes. Yeah. I I thought that was kind of necessary. The other great part of your magic school is that they teach math and stuff. Yes. (laughs) And so, but anyway, that's... Anyway. That's a tangent. There we go. No, let's get back to how do I both watch movies and hand out candy? And the answer to that is connected to one of the reasons I dislike trick-or-treating. I live on a hill. You live in a nice flat area. I live on the side of this big dumb hill. And so not only is walking around onerous and getting back to the house when they're all tired is onerous, because at that point we're at the bottom of the hill. 
But also, we rarely ever get trick-or-treaters. And I don't know if that's the hill or if it's my neighborhood specifically. Huh, that's odd. We will get a handful. And then by the time it's dark, we basically don't get anything at that point. Okay. And so it is easy to, you know, pick up the early ones, you know, the tiny three or four groups of kids that we get. And then the rest of the night, we've got a bunch of extra candy and all this free time and we get to watch Train to Busan or something. All right. Before we talk about movies, because we're going to, I'm sure, spiral into movie talk. I'm sure. How late, age-wise, did you go trick-or-treating, like for yourself? Oh, for myself? Do you remember the last time you went trick-or-treating? Well, the last time I went trick-or-treating for myself in a costume mm -hmm. was actually in college because I was at BYU, and okay. it's pretty that common for BYU freshmen to go yeah. trick-or-treating. They, they just, just go to the other dorms. Yeah. Like, we trick-or-treated the girls' dorm, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't count. Yeah. That's... No, yeah. well, we actually went out into the neighborhood oh. around, like, as, like, 18-year-old kids. You did? Yeah. We, okay, we that for counts. sure did. That is weird. We did it one year, uh -huh. but you know, we were far from the only ones doing it. It's definitely weird. And I don't know if the people who live near BYU like that, but it wow. happens every year and there's lots of them that do it. I had no idea. Hmm. Like we dressed up in costumes, trick-or-treated the girls' dorm, right? And then had a party, right, with everybody. Mm -hmm. It was more like, it was more done ironically that we're trick-or-treating. I went as Bill Clinton's bodyguard with my roommate being Bill Clinton. So, <laughs> Oh, that's funny. No, but before that, not counting the weird college one year that I did it, it was probably 12 or 13. Okay. And that is because my best friend had moved. Oh, so that means it actually would have been 14 years old. Mm. My best friend moved sophomore year into a neighborhood that was apparently amazing for trick-or-treating. And so I went and we went trick-or-treating in his neighborhood. And that was the last year that I did it. Because inseparably connected to Halloween is my memory of my eighth grade year. So I would have been 13 turning 14. Mm -hmm. Being out trick-or-treating with my best friend at the time in costume. I don't actually remember what my costume was. I remember his. He was in army fatigues and like camo makeup and things like that. And... I remember us both standing on a corner with a bag of candy and being like, what are we doing? <laughs> why, why are we here? Why are we? Something is wrong we with, doing with all our of lives? this. And we had a conversation about, we're like, we feel weird. Everyone else is really young. And we weren't old enough mm -hmm. yet to have jobs to just go buy our own candy, which is like the joke, you know, now it's like, why would I go trick-or-treating? I can buy all the candy I want, right? Mm -hmm. But we yeah. weren't quite there yet. But I remember that weird feeling of having like self-selected out of Halloween in that regard. And it was one of the pivotal moments in me realizing that I was growing up. Yeah. Right? Interesting mm -hmm. that uh, the magic had gone out of Halloween for you. Yes. That is interesting. Now, on the other hand, you grew up in the Midwest. I did. And... In my admittedly limited experience, trick-or-treating in the Midwest was very different than trick-or-treating here. Interesting. In and that way? is because Utah gets its seasons a little earlier. So by the time we get to the uh, end of October, yeah. it's cold. most of the leaves have fallen, and it's mm. very, very cold. In fact, more often than not, we have snow, at least at my house. Right. Whereas when my sister lived in Ohio, and we went trick-or-treating with her one year, when all our kids were, you know, six and seven years old, that was a delight. It was 
cool without being cold, and it was still in the middle of color changing fall instead of at the end of it. And so it was the Halloween I'd always seen in movies and never really experienced growing up here. Huh, I never put that together because Nebraska in general is much colder in the winter okay. than Utah. Interesting. A lot snowier, a lot colder. It's the it's humidity and the wind chill mm-hmm. and things like that. But I'm just kind of remembering in general terms. I bet you're right that it stays warmer a little longer because I don't remember being as frozen cold as my kids have been some of the nights trick-or-treating here. Mm-hmm. I do remember a couple of occasions where it was colder and it was noticeably colder yeah. that year. But, I mean, my friend, again, was in just army fatigues. He was not wearing a coat, you know, mm-hmm. in that image in my head of us being trick-or-treating. And I wasn't thinking, wow, we're so cold, right? Yeah. So. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, I grew up watching movies of trick-or-treaters where the kids are all in costumes. Mm-hmm. And yet I grew up in costumes with a coat over it because that's how you survive. And so it took a little bit of the fun out of it. Mm. Kids have it kind of. Nice. I, I want to put that in maybe an asterisk to that. These days, the costumes are so much nicer than the terrible oh, costumes. Oh, yeah, than the, we, like the... Oh, man, those were so awful. The, like, full body suit with a picture of Elmer Fudd on it and yes. then an Elmer Fudd mask. Yeah, and that so sort of terrible. thing. Like, <sighs> You're wearing a garbage sack with <laughs> Elmer Fudd's picture on it. In fact, a garbage sack is more durable than those costumes were. Mm-hmm. They were and just the, terrible. And the masks were the flimsiest plastic. Yeah that bit into your face and had these like bands that were really uncomfortable to wear. I say kids have it better because they do have much better costumes, but they're also like way more expensive. Yeah. So there is that asterisk. You are paying for this. You're paying for the nicer costume. I mean, my kids love dress up as I think a lot of kids do. And Mm -hmm. so if you get a costume that is durable enough to throw in the costume closet and all their younger siblings can wear it in future years well not on halloween they'll they'll just show up in costumes a lot of times Mm -hmm. dallin he got really into scps last year okay so last year was year he actually was able to resist being a zombie for part of the year he was still lying dead on our doorstep for actual halloween but he Mm -hmm. wore a different costume to school yeah and his different costume was a plague doctor costume which he has just became super enamored with because there's an scp do you know what scps scps these are like the forum horror stories right well kind of so forum horror stories are usually either no sleeps or creepypastas, creepy right? Creepypastas. That's what uh, I was assuming. Is SCP different SCP than that? SCP is not quite creepypasta. So SCP is like a collective storytelling wiki about the idea that there are these creatures. It's like X-Files, but okay. the serial numbers filed off, except it's all focused on there are these weird creatures living among us. And the SCP Foundation's job is to track, it's like secure, contain, protect, or something. Okay. Is to track them, contain them if possible, and things like that. And all of the wiki art, it's just articles about a given SCP, are very heavily redacted on purpose mm-hmm. as part of the As part of the joke, yeah. And so people will write one, and it's like, becomes part of the lore that this is a famous SCP and you can go to its wiki page. And I don't know that anyone can edit the wiki. I have seen references to these on Reddit. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like a little more formalized. It's like wild cards or one of these, you know, group storytelling projects. Shared world. Shared world, except with very loose rules that they're all doing together. And, you know, they're very popular on the internet and with 
11-year-old and 10-year-old boys who <laughs> love over monsters. creepy stuff. And so there is one SCP that is a immortal plague doctor who wears a plague doctor costume and whispers to everyone that he has the cure and things like this. And the cure is for their still being alive. Mm. His cure is to kill them. Everyone just needs to be killed. They have a disease that is life. Okay. And so it's a creepy plague doctor with needles that tries to just kill everyone. Mm -hmm. And he just fell in love with this SCP and needed an SCP-049, I think is the right one, costume. (laughs) And he is, lo and behold, upgraded that costume this year so he can be 049 and a zombie. At the same time. No, just on different days, but a better version of each one. Mm -hmm. So... Who knows what he'll do if he falls in love with something else? I don't know if he can let go of SCP-049 for his costume. <laughs> I had to get him like a really nice trench coat because last year he just kind of faked it. This mm-hmm. SCP-049 wears like this trench coat thing. And, you know, we bought him the Plague Doctor mask last year. And this year he's got a really nice trench yeah, coat. He's got him. a really so. nice trench coat because he's right. got a... That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. I know that SCPs, based on that description, sounds like something I would love and therefore cannot get involved with yeah. at any level mm-hmm. because then I would lose all my time and, I, you would and productivity. Spend all your time reading them, feel like you want to write some because you'd be like, I can do better than this. And then suddenly, instead of doing your job, you're writing writing free horror stories for people on a wiki instead of making money on Yes. <laughs> Which still sounds like fun, but I won't do it. All right, so let's talk about movies. You talked about how you never get a chance to really watch the scary movies because you've got to be on door duty. Mm-hmm. If you were able to, given the chance, what scary movies would you watch? Because you don't strike me as a horror movie guy in general. I'm not really. I'm a suspense movie guy. I like, I'll watch Hitchcock. That okay. would be my go-to, right? Let's let's pick a Hitchcock movie, watch that. And, you know, it strays into horror, but it's not, I don't think it's like, not true horror, right? I'll watch a John Carpenter movie, basically. Okay. Take your pick of the better ones and things like that. Like, I love really cool practical effects. And so, not some of the later John Carpenters, but, you Ding know. and Fly and that yeah. sort of thing. Well, Fly's not John Carpenter, but. Oh, that, yeah. But, yes, that exact, like, I will mm-hmm. watch, like, the one with what's-his-name from, um, from Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, Him. That's, that's the Fly, isn't it? Yeah. I'll watch that. It's yeah. got really great practical effects. But I mean, my favorite John Carpenter is Big Trouble in Little China, which <laughs> is like his non-horror movie. Mm. I mean, he's got a couple. I don't know what you call Escape from New York or whatnot. But, you know, like if you give me the choice, I'm not going to pick Halloween, even though I like Halloween. I'm going to watch <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China. So, <laughs> And if you're like, do you want to watch A has to be horror Halloween themed. I will probably be like, can we watch Nightmare Before Christmas? Right? Mm -hmm. Or something like this. Like, you're right. I'm just not a huge horror movie fan. I don't know. Yeah. I'll watch one of the good Shyamalan films. I don't know if those count. I mean, some of them do. Mm -hmm. I mean, depending on how much of Signs you watch, it's a fantastic horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You just got to turn it off at a certain point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And say, okay, that was a good movie. Oh, wow. And they all got an ambiguous ending. (laughs) When the light goes off in the basement, that's when you end it. Do you remember that? The basement's the best scene. Sign has that thing and the the sun swings the axe, right? And hits the light bulb. Hits the light. And sends them into darkness. You just cut the movie. (laughs) Well, I like the, I I would want to watch the whole, I don't remember how much 
longer the basement scene goes on after the axe. There is a but good piece it's... of the basement scene with them all terrified as they get a light going mm-hmm. right after and just kind of huddled on the floor yeah. in absolute terror. But I bet there's a place right I bet, after I bet, that. I that bet you could... could you could cut it right there. And yeah. Shyamalan, for all his faults, that basement scene is a fantastic horror mini movie. Yeah. All on its own merit. No, my favorite Halloween movie is Cheating because it's Coco. <laughs> oh, which is yeah. which is not scary, and it is only peripherally Halloween. That's it's it's Dia idea. de los Muertos, but that's my favorite one. That's actually what we're dressing up as this year for. Okay, Halloween. I'm Hector. Six year old's gonna be Miguel. Dawn's gonna See, be Mama Imelda. That is shocking to me. Not that shocking because I know your history with Mexico and things like that. But the fact that you don't pick like. The most terrifying movie. What <laughs> no, is the most I, terrifying movie you've ever seen? The most terrifying movie that I have ever seen? Mm-hmm. That is a very difficult question to answer. Yeah. Because the answer is going to depend a lot on you know who I was and, and how old I right. was and, and those sort of things. That's true. The scariest experience I've ever had with a movie was actually when I was five years old and my grandma took me to see E.T. Right. And we showed up late. And all I saw was the monster stuff. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. Yeah, Never Ending Story was mine. Yeah. The same thing. But let's say as a late teen or adult. As late teen. So the old Vincent Price movie, The Pit and the Pendulum, okay, is a suspense, kind of schlocky, horror-ish movie until the very, very end where mm-hmm. they have defeated the bad guy and they escape from the pit full of torture implements Mm-hmm. and they say, now we are going to leave this place and seal it up so that no one can ever come here again. And they close the door, and then the camera pans over to the Iron Maiden, where there's the character they all forgot about, and you just see her eyes. And that freaked me out, because she knows that she's you know bound and gagged, and she mm-hmm. can't scream for help, and she's just going to die in this Iron Maiden, and they seal up the pit and the pendulum. There's a lot of that DNA in Mr. Monster, and the woman in the wall and all of mm-hmm. this sort of stuff. Beyond that, boy, scary. That's a really scary moment. It's a very scary moment, but it mm-hmm. isn't a scary movie. Right. It is a moment that had a big impact on me. Oh, man. I don't know. Like, so I've got a list of horror movies that I introduce to my kids as they hit certain ages, right? Like, you're old enough now that I can show you Jaws, or I can show you Train to Busan, okay. or I can show you... Scream. I love introducing people to Scream and to Cabin in the Woods. Right. But you uh, need a history in horror movies for Scream and Cabin. For, for Scream to work and for Cabin in the Woods to work, you need a history of horror movies. And so specifically slasher movies, which mm-hmm. though I guess I have not seen a lot of actual slasher movies. They just don't interest me. But I know all the tropes enough yeah. that both Cabin in the Woods and Scream worked very well for me. Mm-hmm. So maybe you don't need to have seen those, right? Well, yeah, but you do have that grounding. I do. The other one in that category is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. You've seen a great that one? movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I, I do <laughs> enjoy that movie. Which, again, you need to kind of know the tropes they're playing with mm-hmm. in order to get it. Though I do think that Scream in particular works really well on its own. Right. It has a legitimately horrifying sequence right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't find the rest of Scream horrifying, but I find that opening some of the best slasher-like horror yeah. I've ever seen. Well, and that, I think Scream is a truly brilliant movie. Uh-huh. And one of the things that makes it brilliant is the way that it constantly breaks the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. And they did that with the ad campaign. 
putting yes. Drew Barrymore into your movie, who was at the time the biggest star in it. She was all over the posters, and then she dies in the very first scene. That was such a brilliant way of dragging the world around you and the ad campaign and yep. everything into this experience and freaking you out. Mm -hmm. it was great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. What's the most horrifying movie I've ever seen? It's hard because, again, like the Hitchcock horror is very different mm -hmm. from like modern horror yeah. in a lot of ways. And I wouldn't like the Hitchcock movies I watch. And I'm like, ooh, watch how he's creating such great suspense in this sequence. This is mm -hmm. really great. Yeah. But I'm not scared. Mm -hmm. Right. But to get scared is hard for me. Right. I'm not a very emotional person, as mm -hmm. we've talked about. And so I need like the people with me to be very scared and I need it to be a movie that involves legitimate evil. Yeah. Right. Like something like misery. Right. Okay. Like I can be scared by misery better than I can be scared by scream. Because it is less about what's happening and more about the fact that this is a plausible real world situation. And just being trapped in that situation, right? Mm -hmm. And Scream's perhaps a bad example because Scream could, yeah. you know, it's it's more realistic than a lot of these. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like being religious and watching Exorcist is a different experience, I think, than if you're not religious. I had mm -hmm. the same kind of experience with The Ring where, you know, there is a demon involved in The Ring and doing things. I found The Ring to be legitimately scary, mm -hmm. just from a kind of conceptual sort of standpoint. Not that I think that anything in The Ring could actually happen, but it kind of had the right mix of jump scares, good twist ending, horrifying descent into immorality by protagonists and all of this stuff in a way that I thought came together really well. Mm -hmm. What I don't watch and am not interested in is something like the Saw franchise. Yeah. Even though I know the Saw franchise is much better than its knockoffs like the Hostel and things like that, or I think it's just Hostel, mm -hmm. I am not interested in people being tortured in that way. And Misery, I don't even really want to watch Misery, right? But I find Misery horrifying. I don't think I would find Saw actually horrifying. I think it would just be too convoluted and too focused on the misery of the people it's, involved. It's more gross than it is horrifying or, or nihilistic. And, you know, beloved, I, I like you, I'm not really into that kind of torture porn subgenre. Mm -hmm. But, okay, so Why here, did you say beloved? Like the movie Beloved? No, uh, the, uh, it's a beloved genre. It's oh, a beloved series. Though Beloved, right. I, yeah. I, I went to Beloved because no, the beloved, book is a ghost story. Yeah, so. that's true. It yes. is. But um, it's a capital L literature yes. ghost story, so it doesn't count as genre fiction. It does not. <laughs> You can uh, tell it's capital L literature because there may not actually be any ghosts. The person might just be having delusions. Yeah, but see, that happens in horror stuff all the time. Okay, so I don't know if I can say this is the scariest thing I've watched. But a movie that I watched as an adult and that genuinely freaked me out is actually The Changeling with George C. Scott. Have you okay. seen that one? I have not seen it. It is my very favorite haunted house movie. And... The experience of watching it for me was very interesting because it's got a lot of creepy stuff in it. There's a, a seance scene where they're trying to contact basically George C. Scott, who's this big burly dude who typically plays, you know, he was Patton and things like that. He moves into this big old house and finds that it is haunted by a child in a wheelchair. 
and they do a seance to try to contact him, and that scene is pretty creepy, and it it does a good job. But what's interesting about it is that George C. Scott is a big, burly dude. He's not a teenager. He's not really in peril. And so he keeps inserting himself very bravely into situations that, you know, a typical horror movie protagonist would not go into. There's a place where he's dug a pit or a well or something, and at the bottom of it, he finds a necklace, and then it gets sucked down into the well. And he's not really ever scared of that. And I remember watching this with my wife and, you know, leaning over to a couple of times and saying, this is really interesting, but because the main character is not scared, therefore I am not scared. And then there's a scene where a red rubber ball keeps bouncing down the stairs in the house and he, you know, keeps locking it up or putting it in different places and it keeps bouncing down the stairs. And he takes it and he throws it off a bridge into, you know, the bay, the ocean, essentially. And then he comes home and the ball bounces down the stairs again. And he freaked out and I freaked out. The movie played me so perfectly because they built him up as never afraid of anything. And then George C. Scott got scared and I got scared with him. It was really cool and really well done. I love that movie. Did Blair Witch Project work for you? Blair Witch, not as much. I was one of the ones that kind of got sick with the shaky cam. And so the movie didn't, Yeah, I wasn't able to focus on the storyline as well. I would have loved Blair Witch at 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. I still think it's really cool. Like what they did, it wasn't the first found footage, but it really did a good job with it. And it's certainly the popularization of yeah, the Yeah, and, and the ending of it, I do think, mm-hmm. is genuinely affecting. Yeah. With the guy kind of standing in the corner yep. and staring at the wall. Uh, that all works really well. The Shining. Shining, I love. Okay. I do not get scared of The Shining, mm-hmm. but it is a movie that I very deeply love. <laughs> I think The Shining is great. But I wonder if it's a mix of things for me. Like, I look at The Shining and say, why doesn't The Shining freak me out? Partially because... By the time I was old enough to watch The Shining, I knew what The Shining was, like the movie. I knew the plot. I knew the story. I knew this is a story about, you know, the man going insane and Mm -hmm. all of this stuff. And so beyond that, by the time I saw The Shining, I was getting into how films are made and stories are made Mm -hmm. and was more like I didn't watch Shining when I was a teenager. Right. And I was more interested in how shots were being set up how the lore of how Kubrick got the performances and kind of the idea of it being the Stephen King book that Stephen King didn't like the adaptation of despite everyone else loving it. Mm -hmm. All of these things surround The Shining. And so I had a very different experience from The Shining than I did, for instance, from The Sixth Sense, where I went to The Sixth Sense knowing nothing about it. Mm -hmm. It was just the movie that was opening. Someone's like, hey, it's kind of creepy. I'm like, all right, we'll go see The Sixth Sense and thought, wow. I'm legitimately enjoying the horror aspects of it, even though The Sixth Sense is not, you know, I think more horrifying than The Shining, if that makes any sense. No, it does make perfect sense. And so I want to ask, how long has it been since you saw The Shining? Because I had a very similar experience with it and then rewatched it for the first time in a long time last year with my son. Okay. And was able to kind of see it with new eyes, mm-hmm. divorced from its lore and yeah. from its kind of position in Hollywood history, mm-hmm. and really enjoyed it a lot. Okay. I, uh, I, maybe I need to give it another watch. Maybe. I don't know. It's very good either way. 
Okay, but I mentioned this one earlier, and before we finish, I do need to ask if you've seen Train to Busan. I have not seen Train to Busan. I know. It's a tragedy. <laughs> I haven't seen Parasite yet either. Um, oh. I know. Parasite I know. is really good. It's yes. not really a horror. It's a thriller. Yes. Train to Busan is so good. It is my favorite zombie movie. And so it's that the is... same director, right? No, no it's, it's actually not. Okay. Parasite is the Snowpiercer so, guy. Okay, that's what I'm getting mixed up. The yeah. train in Snowpiercer is probably mm -hmm. just which is different from the brain. train in yes. Train to Busan. I know you've talked about Train to Busan before on the podcast, which is I don't think I'd even heard about it until you talked about it. Well, which is it why is I'm mixing that up. A modern classic that I recommend. It is a zombie apocalypse that takes place. You know, while these characters are on a high-speed train, right. hoping they can get where they're going before the few zombies that have gotten onto the train spread and conquer everything. It's so great, and it revitalized, for me, zombies. Zombies have been so played out over time, and then Train to Busan made them fresh again. Fresh is not a pun there. <laughs> so, Dan has homework. You have to see Train to Busan. You have to watch Train to Busan. And the other horror movie you mentioned that you talked at length about that now is escaping. Okay, so here's the five horror movies Dan wants you to watch, okay? You need to watch Train to Busan. You need to watch The Changeling. You need to watch Scream. You need to watch Cabin in the Woods. And you need to watch Psycho. How's that, Ben? Mm -hmm.